Welcome to another edition of the Super Floyd Podcast, your Georgia O'Keefe of NBA podcasts. Because while I've never painted a cow skull, I certainly do have several tattooed on me. What's up, everybody? It's your host, Joe Borelli, coming at you from my studio in Brooklyn, New York. It is, what day is it? It's Thursday, October 11th, 2018. Uh, this show was recorded. It's a two-parter. Recorded it last night with my friend James Herbert of CBS Sports. Uh, he was gracious enough to kind enough to grace me with his presence how's that uh and i gotta cut this thing into two because otherwise it's a two-hour podcast nobody wants to listen to a two-hour podcast so i'm gonna release one tonight i'm gonna release another one in a couple of days um you'll hear me say some crazy things because i was really tired and i just started thinking about things and none of it made sense but i decided i'm gonna leave this stupid shit in because this is why you guys like me right you want to hear the dumb things i have to say james is amazing he says some really interesting and educated and uh insightful things he's been talking to a bunch of nba players and coaches and he's great so you're gonna want to stick around for that um but my part eh, it's it's whatever you'll you'll laugh till you cry anyway uh ways to get in touch with the show you can reach me at the super flight pod on twitter you can email me at the super flight podcast at gmail.com you can tweet at me personally at joe borelli you can follow the dunk tales podcast with me and james holis you can also follow at snotty dripping on twitter if you like james um you can follow on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes. If you go on iTunes, please rate and review. Leave a you know a tasty review and a five-star rating, and uh, it'll help people find the podcast. Because I know, listen, I have a very, let's call them, let's call you guys a special group of listeners. I don't, it's not a big group, but it's a dedicated group. And you guys, uh, I think you like me as much, as, probably not as much as I like you. I like you way more. But well, listen, this isn't a pissing contest. Just settle down. Um, but anyway, I I do this for you guys. I you know there are I mean honestly I've I've talked about this at length ad nauseum. There are times when I really don't feel like doing this podcast anymore because sometimes it's a lot of work. I often don't think what I say is any good or funny or insightful. And um, growing a indie podcast, I guess this is really an indie podcast. I don't know. Growing a podcast without backing of like someone like the ringer or ESPN or sports illustrated is really, really difficult. There are podcasts out there that do it. Um, and hats off to those guys and gals. And I'm, I'm amazed by you all this one. I, it's really hard to get going. It's, uh, I'm not particularly that funny. I'm not, uh, all that smart or clever, you know, listen, I'm just being humble. Um, but, but, you know, I think what I bring is genuine uh, personality. And uh, I don't know. I, I like you guys. So I want to stick around as much as I can. I don't do this for the money. Although, listen, it would be great if I could ever one day transition out of my job uh, into the NBA in some capacity. That would be fucking awesome. But in order to do that, I really need a much bigger following. So, you know, maybe you guys and gals could uh, spread the news, spread the gospel of the super flight, and we'll all be much more happy, right? Anyway, I think uh, I think about this stuff when I'm on the train sometimes. This is a quick segue. The other day I was on the train. You no, know, I was thinking about this. Like, I know a lot of my, my stories have to do with riding the subway in New York, because that's like 90% of my day. Not really. Actually, I should sit down and do the math one day. If I'm on the train for two hours, two and a half hours a day, uh, and I'm awake only, it doesn't matter. Um, the other day I was realizing that like, you can really tell sometimes when you get a bad train operator, they're awful. Like there's 
one person in particular, over the years I've gotten to know their style of driving the train. I don't know who they are. I've never seen them. Maybe if I have, I wasn't just paying it. I just wasn't paying attention. But their style of, of moving the train is to, they don't accelerate and then decelerate. And, you know, in a, in a just a regular fashion, they don't just get up to speed and then slow down. What they do is they speed up and slow down, speed up and slow down, speed up and slow down. And you're jerking the entire time you're riding the train. It's like you're getting seasick. I hate this person. I don't know who they are, but I loathe them. And I really wish they would stop doing it. But that's not even that bad compared to what I witnessed the other morning. I'm on a packed C train, right? It's not, all right, maybe it's not packed, packed, but it's really full. There's a lot of kids going to school in the morning. There's a lot of people trying to get to work. It's a pretty crowded train. I was lucky to get a seat, and across from me and separated by several people is an older gentleman who's standing at the doorway. And he's standing there. He's completely content just standing there doing his thing, trying to ride the train to whatever stop he's getting off at. Uh, it turns out he got off, I think, at the same place I did. So he was on the train for a while. Um, but... Sometimes, and this has happened to me once, right? You're not expecting the train to take off when it does, or you know it's just about to take off, so the doors close. You can kind of time it. You know the doors are going to close. you got a couple of seconds until the train starts moving. You know to position yourself, and you get to know the feel of the train. Well, this particular train, this train operator gave you no time to figure out when the train was going to move. The doors would close, and not only did he take off immediately, he, like, hit the gas. I mean, no, it's not gas, right? This is a metaphor. Or it's not a metaphor. It's a, I don't know what it is. But he hit the accelerator because, you know, it's uh, electrically operated. And the thing just takes off. And, like, I, I got on there thinking somebody's going to fall the fuck. Excuse me. Somebody's going to fall the fuck over getting on this train this morning because this guy is just driving like a crazy asshole. Well, it turns out this older gentleman in the standing across from me was not expecting the train to take off. And the tra I've never seen this before. Like, the train took off. The guy lost his balance. He tried to grab onto anything, could not do it. And he fell, like, 10 feet across the train. It was insane. It was really crazy. Everybody looked up. I felt terrible for him. We're all... But, you know, at the same time, like, you're, you're like, sitting there and you're, like... I want to look to see if the guy's okay because obviously like we could all jump in and help because New Yorkers, I don't care what people say, they get a bad rap. New Yorkers are very willing to help you when you're in trouble. Uh, and people are really, you know, people care about each other here. You have to. It's such a big city. I mean, there are people that you hate. You know, that happens too. But in, by, by and large, people are really willing to help each other out. But this, this gentleman falls down. A couple of people tried to catch him and... He was on the ground and they, 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 I mean, he's not super old. He was probably in his early sixties and they, they lifted him up. They helped him up, but it was really embarrassing for him. And I'm stuck in this, this position where and a lot of us are, we're stuck in this position. where like, we're on looking and lollygagging, lollygagging. We're, we're gawking at this, this man's misfortune. I'm looking to see if he's okay. But at the same time, as soon as I realize he's okay, I'm like, I have to look down because I don't want to embarrass the man further. It's going to be really embarrassing for him. And so I looked over. He was okay. He got up. But man, the man must have been so completely embarrassed. It happened to me once. I didn't actually hit the ground. I really lost my balance, fell into somebody and like had to apologize. It's just like, you know, you just don't expect it. And you don't see it that often. It's just, you know, people usually get them, you know, the cadence of the train when it takes off. But twice this week, I'm on my home, on my way home, on my route home to do this podcast tonight. Get on this train. We're sitting there. It wasn't the same operator, I don't think, because the train didn't take off nearly as fast. But 
they stop because there's train traffic ahead. This is a common thing in, in New York. Like you get between subway stops and if train stops or train traffic is backed up because somebody wants to hold the doors and let their friends on or there's trash on the train track and it starts a fire, any kind of number of things can happen. It just puts you behind. It delays the train a bit, right? So we stop and that's not that uncommon of occurrence. We stop in the middle between two subway stops. No big deal. There's no announcement on the train. Actually, I think we had a car that had a broken speaker, so you wouldn't have heard it anyways. But we stop, and without warning, the train just takes off again. And of course, across from me, an older woman dragging her laundry around was caught unaware. Her and like two other people just like flew across the train. And like, you know what? Somebody's got to do something about that. Somebody has got to write the MTA. I, this isn't a funny story because there's nothing funny about people like falling and getting hurt. She didn't fall, but it was like she went from one side of the car to the other and like hit the railing. It's just it's like, who are these people? Who are these people that are driving these trains like this, man? Like, you know, people are lining up around the block to get a to get a job working in the MTA because it's a really good job because you get city benefits and you get good pay or at least decent pay. And like you get it's almost like tenure, man. Once you're in, you're in. Um People that are driving trains like this, they should really be demoted. And don't get me wrong, like I've thought about this. My wife and I have talked about this a couple times. If you're running a train subway line, right, you get an hour for lunch, I'm sure. But between running from, we looked, I think the A train is probably the longest route. You go all the way from Manhattan up through the Bronx, back through, maybe it's the E train. And like into Queens and it's crazy. Like you would be just one route of the train. You'd be on there for four hours. So I understand if like you get a little frustrated and you're, you're driving and you just need a break and you need to see the sunlight. Cause a lot of the trains are just underground. I get it, but it's also your job, man. Don't hurt people. That's crazy. Anyway, there is no point to this story. Once again, I have no point. I'm just saying, if you ever come to New York city and you're on the subway, be careful. The train could take off and you can fall the fuck on your face. Sometimes it's funny if it's like a douchebag and you're like, well, that's that's pretty hilarious. He had that coming to him. But most of the time, it's just people who are trying to get from point A to point B, paying way too much for this antiquated fucking train system that we have and no upgrades. They don't even have gates in front of this. Like people get pushed in the fucking subway train tracks all the time because they don't. Uh, you know what? This is a whole political debate I'm going to get into. Let's. I'm going to skip this. Anyway, so last night did a really long episode with James Herbert. It was fun. Uh, I'm going to leave most of this stuff in so you guys thoroughly understand how much of an idiot I can be, particularly when I'm super tired, um, which I also explained to James. And I just want to also preface this by saying the part I said about the Warriors, just hang in there. It makes no fucking sense. But if you really think about it, you can get what I'm saying. Oh, and one other thing. So at some point in the first episode, because this is going to be a two-parter, the audio cuts and it starts again. James was in the middle of talking. My computer stopped recording. I started it up right again. As soon as I could, it it cut out like five or ten seconds of what he was saying. You'll get the gist, but sorry for the interruption. Anyway, after this brief musical interlude, we'll be right back. Everything is good. Every time I use Skype, it's totally fucking different. don't understand it. It's the weirdest thing ever. Do you want to FaceTime so I can see your pretty face, or do you just, you're good with audio only? You don't need to see my... You've seen my face. You don't need to see it's it. It's true. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful face. <laughs> my be- what's, yeah. up? what's up, James Herbert, my beautiful-faced friend? How are you today? <laughs> I'm, I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm delirious. 
But that uh, makes her a better podcast. It might. It might actually make her a better podcast. Unless you fall asleep, don't do that. Huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was a terrible joke. I'm the worst. Well, I was laughing inside. Good, good. Thank you. Thank you for laughing inside. And thank you for explaining to everyone that you were laughing inside so I didn't have to feel awkward about that. Because I'm already recording, by the way. I, I guessed. I, I, I know your deal by now. Yeah. I just drop you right in. Like, surprise. Uh, how have you been? You've been really busy with the uh, the NBA sked. Sked? Shed? Schedule? What is that thing? Oh, my God. <laughs> When did you wake up this morning? You said 4 a.m., 4 30? I woke up at 4 a.m. this morning, and I've been going ever since. Why? Um, well, honestly, my wife woke up to go to the bathroom, and it woke me up, and I couldn't go back to sleep. So I I got to work. Wow, just yeah, just calling her out. Yeah, well, you know. Blaming right, your maybe, wife. Maybe I'll edit that. I don't think out. this is fair. <laughs> it's not. All right, and so I woke up just by chance at 4 o'clock in the morning and couldn't fall back asleep. So... Uh-huh. Yeah. Are you going to like edit this so they don't hear the You know, part? I should. <laughs> but you won't. You're absolutely probably, not going to do it. Probably um, won't. No. She'll still You're right. Me, I've been busy. I've I've done a lot of uh talking to NBA players in the last week and a bit. Uh so I've published a bunch of stories mm-hmm. that maybe you've read. Um yeah, that's about all that's been happening. Well, I haven't yet, but I have a bunch of them on uh, on the thing to read on, on the subway. Pocket, thank you. Yeah, I have a bunch of them on Pocket, so working on it. But you should plug it. So oh, and people... I, I also went to, uh, to to two book events because I'm a very cultured person. Yes, you are. Uh, what book two events? nights in a row. What? What book events? Um, Brian Phillips, who you may have heard today, it was announced he's joining The Ringer. He also just put out a really good book of essays called Impossible Owls, and I went to an event that he did. And then last night, I went to a thing called Varsity Letters, <coughs> Excuse me, where um, Rafe Bartholomew and Sam Anderson and Jonathan Coleman were all talking about their uh, basketball books that they have written. And it was very nice. I felt like I was among my people. Awesome. Here in, in New York? Yeah. Oh, man. I don't get out much. <laughs> I feel like there's Come on, so- man. I know. There's so much of the city I could take advantage of. I just never have time. It's it's a horrible excuse, but it's absolutely true. I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about some basketball. Let's talk about things that don't involve me being a terrible person, <laughs> not being involved with the community that I want to be involved with. Um, anyway, so you've agreed to come on. By the way, plug your stuff real quick. Tell people where they can find it and, and follow you. Uh, at cbssports.com in the nba section and i'm on twitter at outside the nba nice all right so where were we so we, you've agreed you don't typically do season preview things right you don't typically prog podcast or prog, prognosticate about the upcoming season right well i kind of do like okay. i mean i've written like preview columns and today we had to put out like everyone at cbs sports had to make picks for like awards and those went up on the site today. Um, but I haven't really, like, explained them cool. in, in much detail. I did a little bit of it on another pod, but, like, I don't know. I, I'm not, like, huge into um, making a, like, crap ton of predictions when I'm not forced to. So does yeah. that answer your question? That I don't totally know. answers my question perfectly, yes. I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's a stupid exercise, but it's so much fun. I don't know why I love guessing about this stuff because it's really pointless. And I get most of it wrong, as, like, everyone does, but... We're going to do it anyway. 
Let's do it. All right. Let's let's start with I don't know. I had the awards first. All right. Let's just let's first run down the awards first, and then we can talk about the really interesting stuff, which is like how we think teams are going to finish in the uh, in each conference and like a few other things. So there's all this talk about LeBron James being possible MVP again for the fifth time this season. I think his I think he has the best odds right now. From what I've heard, I don't, I've tried to look this up, but I can't figure out betting sites because I do not gamble, and I just can't figure out how these how these things work. Um, do you buy into the LeBron LeBron as MVP chatter? And who do you have? No. Okay, good. <laughs> I mean, it's it's possible. Like, look, I like the the narrative is there. Everybody's excited mm-hmm. about him being a Laker, and I think expectations are moderate enough that if they're really awesome then you can make that case. But I don't think they're going to be really awesome. And I think his usage rate is going to go down. I think his points are probably going to go down. Um, it, it really seems like they're trying to do this. Um, like, we have a ton of playmakers, so we're going to play fast and we're going to spread the ball around and it's not going to be LeBron doing everything. And if LeBron is not doing everything, then his numbers aren't going to be as good. So uh, I, I don't, like... I don't think his main concern is going to be getting MVP. I think he's going to try to like gel with this team and try to make it into something that makes sense by like come playoff time. Um, so I think there are other guys that I would have ahead of him. Like I would put, like, I, I picked AD, um, okay. but I would put Kawhi ahead of him. I'd put Giannis ahead of him, uh, and there might be another couple of guys that I would consider too. Um, even like the guys on the Warriors. Like I don't think they're going to win it because they're like there's two of them right but like the warriors could go out and win like 68 games or something and then like maybe you just pick the warrior that had the best season like that seems more likely to be than lebron winning um and, and the lakers being incredible so the one so thing, yeah i, I the one on. thing i will say is that like i know everyone's saying lebron lebron's usage rate is going to be down this year but like tell me the last time he hasn't had a, like a super high usage rate i know never. I, I know they're planning even on, as a rookie it was like 28 right like, it, it's never happened and i understand they're planning on taking some of the pressure off him and taking some of the minutes off him i get that and it's it makes perfect sense but i don't think lebron's wired that way i think his usage rate is probably going to be if i had to guess just about the same as it usually is what is it like uh what's it usually hovering around 20 23 PR? it's usually like 31 32 oh, 33 even like, way higher than that yeah <laughs> yeah um I, I think it'll be a little lower than that um It'll still be high. It'll still be higher than the vast majority of players. I'm just saying I don't, I don't see him going there. And, like, like last year it was so impressive because, like, he had to do everything. Right. And his numbers were freaking crazy. And that – they're just – I don't think they're going to play that way. Maybe because they're playing faster, the per-game stats will have a chance of being higher. Like, maybe. I don't know if people are still fooled by that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just – I don't know. I don't I, – I find it hard to, like – and it, and it seems weird to say this about the guy we all agree is the best player, right? right. But I, I find it hard to envision a scenario where at the end of the year we're like, yeah, it's it's this is like it's very clear LeBron was the most like impressive player in the league this year. Right. And listen, I agree with you. I don't think LeBron is getting MVP. He would again. They would have to have an astronomical season. They'd have to win like sixty games. If they did that, yeah, count him in for the MVP, right? And I don't I don't believe that the surrounding cast he has on the Lakers is all that much better than what he had on the Cavs last year. I mean. They're younger, and they have a lot of potential to be way better. It's very different. It's a lot different, yeah. It's completely different. But he also had Kevin Love on that team. And he had yeah. J.R. Smith, who's a reliable shooter. <laughs> and, well, he's, he's been trailing off. Well, you yeah. know, when he's motivated, <laughs> he can be all right. Um, so he I had a bunch of guys that were got, like they were acquired because they fit well with him. 
Yeah. That's and true. now they just have a bunch of guys. That's and fair. That, that's the difference. Well, anyway, enough about LeBron James winning the MVP. We Neither one of us think he's going to get it. So you think it's going to be AD. Tell me why. I just think it, it's sort of his time. Like, I thought he played well enough last year to be MVP, especially in the second half of the season. I thought, like, he did all the stuff that everybody had wanted him to do for years, even, like, when we were hyping him up. Like, a, a few years ago... I made this like bold move of predicting he'd win MVP and like putting him number one on my top 100 in the summer and all this stuff. And like, it was just way too early, but last year he became that dude. Like he wasn't just this long guy who got blocks and had defensive potential. He was like genuinely one of the best defensive players on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, his offense was completely dominant. He finally understood that he had to play center for the Pelicans to be the best they could be. He resisted that honestly up until DeMarcus went down. Yeah, he he was hanging on. He was playing some center, but he certainly wasn't starting there, and he wasn't really thrilled with the idea. And they had to go and sign Emeka Okafor, <laughs> um, who started some games. And he played because he it played allowed really well when he started. Oh yeah, I wrote a story about Emeka last oh, year. That's right. he, yeah, I was yeah. it was it was great to see, but I think it really tells you something about where AD's head was at, like in terms of where he wanted to play. And by the end of it, like you saw the playoffs, he was just like, yeah, I'm a center. And that, that's that's obviously where he's best. Um, I think you're rarely going to see him play uh, with another guy that you would label as a center this year. Mm-hmm. I think the, the playoff run um, really should give him and Holiday like a lot of confidence that like when they're playing super well and super hard on both ends, like they're a really formidable team. I, I don't know how... Um, all of the changes they've made are going to work out. Uh, the the Peyton signing in particular, I'm like iffy on. Right. Uh, but I don't even think it's the kind of thing. Like, I did an interview with Solomon Hill the other day, and I asked him, like, what, does, what has happened for AD to win MVP? And he basically said, like, they need to play super well as a team. They need to gel. They need to be, like, a top four team. I don't even think they need to be top four. I think if they're just, like, a solid playoff team, and it, it's not something where at the end of the year – you're making picks for MVP and you don't even know if they're going to qualify. Like if you're pretty sure the Pelicans are going to be like sixth or seventh in the West and his numbers are what they were last year, then I think he can win it. I think he, he played that well right. the second half of last season that they don't have to be incredible. Um, so, so that, that's sort of where I'm at with, with, with AD. Well, you answered the question I was going to ask you anyways. I was going to say, what, what does it look like? What does that team look like if he wins it? What are they? I mean, do you expect 50 wins out of him if, he, if they win it? If he wins it? Does it have to be like a 50 win? I mean, you win? need to be somewhere near 50 to even mm-hmm. make the playoffs, maybe. Right. That's true. It's a little different now because, like, the Spurs might not be that good. Like, the Wolves probably not going to be that good. Like, it, it's, it's not looking as insane as it was, like, a couple of months ago. Uh, but it's still going to be brutal out there. And there's still going to be teams that go east and win a lot, um, although the east is a little, little better. Um, I, I, I think, you know, you just have to look at that that sort of grouping of teams, of like the OKCs, the Denvers, Lakers, whatever, the Blazers, Pelicans, all, all of those teams. Like, it's probably going to end up like last year where there's like four games separating all of those teams. Right. And some team that... that like the Wolves were third when Jimmy went down last year. That was pretty late in the season. Like it, it, it could be something again like that, where the team that's third place with like a few weeks left could end up eighth or even ninth. Um, so to say they need to get fifty, no, they don't need to get fifty, but they need to be like somewhere 
in that range to even like be in the mix for the playoffs. They need to be in the mid to high forties. So six seed or, or well, not six seed, fifth. It's like maybe fighting for the fourth or fifth, fourth or below. He, you think he could still get it? Like the fourth seed, if they yeah. got the fourth seed, he could still get the MVP. As long as as long as they as long as you look at their season, and you're not thinking that they're like leaving a lot of money on the table. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, like. If you look at their season, you think they built on what they did last year. Maybe Drew Holiday makes the all-star team. Uh, maybe Randall has a really good year and AD just stays healthy. Like, I I, I think that could do it. Now, like, <laughs> there's a ton of other variables. Like, <laughs> what happens in Milwaukee, for right. example, you know, that, that are going to matter here. But, um, yeah, I, I, I was basically, I came down to, like, AD versus Kawhi. And to be very honest with you, like when the CBS, when our post went up earlier today and I saw that nobody picked Kawhi like that, that was the one sort of regret that I have. I was like, oh, I could have <laughs> I could have like really planted my flag on, on Kawhi Island here and stuck out. It just would have made the the, the post look cooler. Um, yeah. So th- those were my, my sort of final two, All because right. I think if if the Raptors win like 60 plus games, like that's just like an irresistible story with him only playing nine games last year. Truly, totally, totally. I, I, you know, for me, I did have AD as the MVP for a second. And then I was thinking about Kawhi, but I don't trust Kawhi's health just because that injury last year was so sort of nebulous. We don't really even understand what happened to him or if it was just a matter of he really just wanted out of San Antonio. Right. But I honestly think that it was a lingering, lingering injury. And I just when a guy takes that much time off for an injury, it seems to be that there's really something wrong. And I'm, I'm a little bit worried about his health. If he can get back to the, like the. 2015 16 season uh forget it man like they could you know the raptors could be incredible yeah. and if they win 60 games you ha- i mean like you have to consider him for mvp um for me and I, I i know this is a really popular pick right now but you mentioned the bucks and i i just think that with you know budenholzer there um i think that that system is gonna it's gonna allow antetokounmpo to like just flourish there's gonna be so much ball movement He's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to enable him to get wide open for just getting to the rim. And if he develops that three-point shot like he's trying to, which is still really iffy, um, man, he could be just incredible. He's, I mean, he's already just incredible. If they win, like, if imagine if Milwaukee takes the third seed in the East. I don't know how you don't give him the MVP because it's going to be on his back. I mean, he's got... He's got an okay surrounding cast, right? But there's, you know, Eric Bledsoe is, is good, but he's not great. Ilyasova is a nice addition, but he's not great. Brooke Lopez is, you know, he's a, he's a good center. He's a solid center, but he's not great. Um, the, the closest other player they have to great on that team is probably Chris Middleton. And he's, you know, fringe all-star player. So if they get... Wouldn't uh, surprise me if he was an actual all-star this year. Yeah, I think he's also going to flourish in that system as well. I, you know, yeah, what Budenholzer did in Atlanta with that team that wasn't really star laden, and they won how many games? Sixty something games that one year. They won sixty. They won sixty games. Sixty yeah. games, right? I, I think that speaks to like his coaching ability and like if he gets to implement his system in Milwaukee. I, you know, I mean, he has, he has. Like, this is the first team in years where they've been like people are talking about. Ooh, I got to watch their preseason games. Like, yeah. I want to see Giannis in that system. And like, 
I don't think preseason basketball is good, but mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. case, like, yeah, totally. Like, go check out the Bucks in the preseason because it's really different. They're passing the ball. They're getting way easier looks than they have in years. They're taking a shitload of three-pointers. Like, they're going to break records for, like, three-pointers attempted in a game, like, franchise records, like, every night, like, for, for a while. Um, and it makes perfect sense. Like, I totally get why Giannis is, like, the sort of fan favorite pick right now. Um Every story that comes out, I did one. I talked to to Middleton. I saw um, Matt Moore did a feature. He did two features. He did one on the team, and he did one on Giannis specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there have been a few others. Like everything coming out of Milwaukee is like this has energized the team. The spacing is so different. Chris Middleton told me like I'm seeing gaps that I've never seen before. Uh, like it's it's really looking good. The question, of course, is like, well, Budenholzer was also a really good defensive coach. In Atlanta, mm-hmm. is he going to be able to get this group to play defense? And you're going to play Brook Lopez big minutes and Ilyasova big minutes so that these guys have the spacing that you want. But then that puts your defense at a little bit of a disadvantage, right? right. So I, I'm curious to see how it all works. I think they, I like I, I mean, we'll get to where we have everybody, but like I don't have them as the 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 three seed, but I do have them the four right now. Like I think they could be really good if they won 50 plus games. I would not be surprised. And if that happens, then I think you're talking about Giannis as potential MVP. And you're also talking about Bud as potential coach of the year. That's true. And we're not even talking about coach of the year. I forgot all about that one. <laughs> How but, dare you? I know. Shame on me. Um, let's move on. You want to do most improved? I, I just pick out the ones that I like, you know, like I don't care about coach of the year. I mean, I sort of do. Do you but... like most improved? I kind of hate most improved. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's, it's like a... such a like, you used the word nebulous earlier, yeah. right? It's like, a, this is like a weird nebulous thing. Um, well, this I had one picked DeJounte me... Murray and then. And then he got hurt, so I'm picking <laughs> Jetty Osman. What? What? All right, I like it. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Please, please explain this to me. You want me to rhapsodize about Osman? Yes, my yes, man? please do <laughs> rhapsodize about Osman. <laughs> I mean, look, like he's a talented player. He can shoot. He can run pick and rolls. He's like actually pretty athletic. They're gonna play a totally different style than they played because they lost the best player in the world. They're, they're, it's gonna energize a bunch of dudes. Like I think Rodney Hood is gonna be way better. Uh, Kevin Love. Everybody's saying Minnesota Kevin Love. I don't know if he'll be that, but I think he'll be pretty damn good, and you'll see his passing skills come out a lot more than they have in the past few years. And I think Osmond's the kind of dude, he's like he's a really good, smart, all-around player, and I think he'll be able to put up points. I think he's going to get a ton of minutes. Uh, I think he'll block some shots. He's going to, like, he's he's going to get, like, his stats, when you compare to, like, the, like, crap stats that he had last year in limited minutes when the the coach didn't trust him mm-hmm. and he was in and out of the rotation like I just think it's going to be such a wild jump uh, that he's going to have a pretty convincing case now it's a weird pick because he's a second year player and like people debate whether or not those guys should even be given uh most improved player right because uh, that's in the some jump ways you're supposed this... to make right like you're supposed to yeah. get better from your first to second year yeah but I, I just think like Often this award is more about opportunity than anything else, and I just see a huge opportunity for him. And I think a lot of people don't even know that he exists and will just be shocked um, when, like, everybody in their fantasy league has picked up this guy. Totally. That's a great pick. I did not see that coming. I really like it. I don't – I, <laughs> I, I kind of don't share your enthusiasm, but, I mean, I do like Jetty Osmond. It's, it, you know, he's a nice player. I just think he's – still not really ready to contribute that much, but I could be wrong. To the Cavs? Uh, yeah. Well, that's a good point. This is the Cavs. <laughs> Fair. Like, if he was on another team, I get that. But yeah. I think, look, 
I thought he was more con- ready to contribute last year than he was given a chance to show. Well, no, like, I don't I think that's exactly correct. I thought he got a real good chance to show, and he just he took off right away, and then he kind of like fell back a bit, and it was shown that he was a rookie and he wasn't all that reliable. I thought I thought he showed when he first got some playing time. I thought he showed some really uh, some real good flashes of like a potential, you know, solid player. Um, so I want to disagree with you on that a little bit. But have you been talking to Teron Liu? No, I have not. Okay. <laughs> I wish. I would love Teron Liu, anytime you want to come on my podcast, let me know. All right. <laughs> um I actually had Brandon Ingram, and this is probably cheating because like he's gonna be playing with LeBron, but he's gonna no, get... that's, that's a popular pick for this, yeah. Yeah. He, it's just it, like speaking of opportunity, he's gonna get so much opportunity to to showcase his skills, and you've already seen it in preseason. LeBron's just like talking him up so much and feeding he loves him, him he loves him and he's feeding him the ball and it's like you know having lebron probably the best passer in the world feeding you dimes like he's gonna get you in good positions he's gonna he's gonna put up some serious numbers i just think as you know having lebron as mentor and and cheerleader uh people are gonna notice that it's gonna like not only is he gonna have some stats he's going to have LeBron, you know, putting him on a pedestal and people are going to like have to pay attention to it. So I think it's sort of a twofold thing. And I think that the Lakers are probably going to get into the playoffs this year. So if that happens, it's not going to just be LeBron. You always have to have somebody else there helping you out. And the way he's putting Brandon Ingham on a pedestal like this and, and like pumping him up, I, I just think it's a, a natural, like he's not a second year player. He's a third year player now, right? Or is he fourth, third, third year, fourth, third. Third. Thank Third. you. I'm, I'm like, time has just totally passed me by. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where I am right now. Uh, and I, you know, asleep. So, yeah, half asleep, half asleep and still sweating somehow. So I just think that it's a perfect situation for him. I just think it's it's I, I hate to go with the easy pick, but, you know, I have another one coming up. That's definitely not an easy pick. So I, I'm going to take this one easy. Any thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, I am a Brandon Ingram believer. I'm not going to argue with you. I, I will like. Full full disclosure, I considered picking Ingram mm-hmm. for for most improved, but I didn't want to because so many other people are doing it. So <laughs> I went with Jetty Osmond. I no, I don't I totally understand. Like he he's a really, really talented player, and I think he should get some pretty easy looks, whether it's in transition, whether it's LeBron setting him up for wide open threes. I do want to see him take more threes mm-hmm. than he did last year. Because his percentage was good, but he didn't like shooting them. Like he wasn't particularly confident. Um, he would pass up looks all the time, but like uh, the, the style of play that they're going to play, it seems like he's going to get a chance to still like run a lot of pick and rolls and make plays off the dribble. And like he gets to the basket so easily just because he's so damn long. And I think yeah. the the progress that we saw last year is unlike a rookie when he was like like rail thin, like he'd actually put on some muscle so he could take hits and like draw fouls and get to the line. And I think uh, he's continued to work on his body. You should see some progress there. Like, yeah, like I think. If you see him as a potential star, maybe not a superstar, but like if you see him as a potential star, then you should see a jump this year. Like that, that should be expected for a guy with as much talent as, as Ingram has. That's fair. Yeah. You know, and by the way, I, I'm totally with you. I hate to take the, the same pick that everyone else does, but I also don't want to look like an idiot at the end of the year. So I'm like the guy ones. who picked Jetty Osmond. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I admire that pick. I, I like him when people go out on a limb. I got one coming up that's going out on a limb. Give me rookie of the year. I think we probably both have the same guy. For do we even one. need to do this? I, like yeah. I picked Luca. Yeah, same. <laughs> I have a story. 
totally separate aside, and I'm just going to keep plugging all the <laughs> stories that I've been doing. Uh, I have a story coming out tomorrow, Thursday, on Miles Bridges. Mm-hmm. Uh, By the way, Miles I Bridges think... was on my short list of Rookie of the Year. Good. He should be. Uh, I think there is such a great opportunity for him in Charlotte. Yes. Like, basically what Borrego is doing there is what, like, every freaking coach is doing and every team around the league is, like, he's playing faster like he literally has them scrimmaging with 12 second shot clocks uh, mm. in in practice and training camp uh and he's playing lineups where at least four people can shoot threes some lineups where five people can shoot threes like bridges has even played a little bit of five hmm. uh which i don't think anybody expected for a guy no. that played small forward in college last year um but like you watch him in the preseason he comes in he's getting all these like two huge putback dunks in his first game his second game he drops like 23 points he had four three pointers like he he has NBA range. He can get to the basket. He's super strong. Like that's the one thing. Like he stayed in college an extra year when everybody killed him for it. He comes in and he just looks like completely physically ready for the NBA. He looks like he belongs already. I think he's gonna get a ton of minutes. I think with that team actually spacing the floor properly, he's gonna get to the rim easier. He told me like he couldn't believe it. The the, the spacing is crazy in the NBA. It's, it was harder to score in college, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, like. I would much rather talk about him than talk about Luca. I think like we already like well, we know I, about Luca. I honestly uh, did have him. I'm not, but I don't. I'm not going to freaking pick Bridges to win Rookie of the Year when I think Doncic is like the best prospect that we've seen in a while. Yeah, I did have my I did have Miles Bridges number one, and I changed it to Doncic. And and for like all the reasons you're saying, the reason I changed it is because he's behind Michael K- K- Gilchrist, so I don't think he's. I mean, yeah, he's still going to get plenty of minutes, but he's not going to be starting. And I think usually rookies of the year. Well, Gilchrist, tend- I don't think he's even starting. Um, but, but I think they're starting to see Bridges as more of a four anyway. Okay. So right now he's sort of behind Marvin Williams, Oh. but like, but that could change. Like Marvin, like, like Marvin is like a, an absolute pros pro. Mm -hmm. And if, if it becomes clear that Bridges deserves to start, like he will gladly step aside and they'd still play him. Um, and and I, I could see that happening. Okay. Well then. Forget everything I said. I'm just going to go with Miles Bridges. I'm changing my pick. <laughs> oh, my God. Miles Bridges, rookie of the year. So give me Donchins. Why do you think Why do you think Donchins is the rookie of the year? Because he's freaking amazing. Like, <laughs> his his I, speed I of foot doesn't worry you at all? You're not, you're not concerned that I'm he's going to be completely shut down by defenses? Um, like, are you just parroting Spike Eskin and sort what of. he says every week? I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, I, love, I love Spike. I completely disagree with his take. I, I think Luca, like he, he's been called fat. Yes. Um, he's been called out of shape. Mostly not by what Spike Eskin, yeah. Yes, but that's not what I, I see. A guy that's like freaking huge and strong and can like he makes plays like a point guard, even though he has the body of a power forward. Um, he's just drilling three pointers. He can obviously run pick and rolls. He's obviously an ex- extremely advanced passer. Um, yeah, will they take him? Will he be able to like make plays as a rookie against like absolute top tier like shutdown defenders? Like, yeah, maybe that'll be a struggle. Maybe he'll have some bad nights. But I think overall, uh, the Mavs are going to empower him, and he has enough shooting on the floor. He has really good pick and roll partners. Like, it's not just DeAndre Jordan. Like, if you go and look at Dwight Powell's numbers last year as as a role man. This is getting super nerdy, but Let's like go he it. was he was one of the best in the league at finishing out of the pick and roll. So I think regardless of who he's playing with, like he's going to have shooters 
on the perimeter, um, and he's going to have a big that can set screens and roll hard to the basket. And I think it's just, it's just all set up for him to have a really good offensive season. And I don't know that he's going to come out and like lead the team in the scoring, um, but I don't know that that's not going to happen. Right. I, I mean, for me, it was everything that you were just saying, but mostly the empowering him as a rookie. I think they're going to put the ball in his hands. They're going to put the offense in his hands, and they're going to say go. And they're you know they're going to give him every opportunity to shine. In that system, he's going to do really well. I watched him play two games against the Sixers, and he had some yeah. incredible, incredible performances. He had some really good shots. Like he was guarded by both Embiid and Ben Simmons, and still got a layup. So I know he's slow <laughs> afoot, and I know. Uh, you know, he's not the most athletic guy in the world, but it doesn't really show to me. And that was my actually concern, too. I don't totally disagree with Spike Eskin saying that he's not, you know, the most athletic guy in the world. But he also is able to maneuver around the court and, and get guys in good spots and, like, use his passing ability. He's an all-around complete player. And I, I just think that there's more that he can do without the athleticism to impact the game. And it's not, you know than just having to be athletic. And I think that's going to go, I think he's going to have a great career. And I really I have so many thoughts on this. And like, this might be something I end up exploring in a story at some point, but like, and completely like just maneuver everybody around him the way that he wants, because he's so in control of his body and he's so strong and he's just so like, almost like dexterous. Like I, I, I think the the Harden comparison with Luca has it's it's all almost played out now, mm-hmm. but I think it makes sense because when Harden came out, people were sort of searching for comparisons for him. They're like, yeah, sort of like Ginobili, sort of like like Paul Pierce. Like he's not that athletic, but like sometimes he'll have like a big dunk, um, and he's just really like he's really smart. He has good footwork. Like we we talk around it with these guys, but like I wouldn't say that James Harden is a bad athlete. I wouldn't say that like. Like someone like Steve Nash or like Steph Curry is a bad athlete because they're not like jumping out of the gym. Right. Like also, like if you watch some of Doncic's highlights from last year, like he has some pretty impressive dunks. Like he can get up. He's not like he doesn't look like a, a total athletic freak while like when he does it. But I, I do think just in terms of his balance, in terms of like uh just how he moves on the court like i'm not really discouraged by that like i see a lot of positive things there and i i think part of it is that he was advertised as this like this point guard almost mm-hmm. and like you should probably be thinking of him as like how many power forwards can move the way that he does cuz right. the guy is massive right. like he he does have the body of a power forward and he doesn't it's not like like I get it. We've seen these unicorn guys. Like we we see Anthony Davis. We we see uh, whoever else that like Joel they're Embiid. that big. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we we see guys that are that big and like genuinely like like grew up playing point guard and they can still move like that. Like no, Luca's not like that. That's fine. But I just I just don't think you have to be. And I I don't think that means that he's this like slow poke that is going to be tired after playing twenty five minutes either. Yeah. Um, Although if he is tired, like, I mean, he played a shitload of games last year and didn't get that much rest. So that's a good point. Um, that would be sort of understandable. So he should be ready for the NBA life anyways. I mean, the, you know, yeah. and the thing is, like, if you're if you're talking about like I'm, I'm going against contrary to everything I believe. But like, I do think athleticism <laughs> is important. But like, if you're talking about like just sheer athleticism, if you're boiling it down to that, then Dirk Nowitzki should never have been an all star or 
as yeah, a superstar in the league, right? Because he may have been more explosive than he is now, but Jesus Christ, he's been like Lurch for the last five years, and he's still really impactful on the court. So, I mean, there's a case to be made both ways. Um, yeah. Shall we move on to Defensive Player of the Year? Yes, this is where I planted my Kawhi flag. I I, okay. I picked him for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, everybody knows what he does individually. I don't have to talk about that, but I mean, I, I think in the team context, like uh, there was a really good piece by John Schumann that came out a couple of weeks ago about the Raptors um, and their defense. And what he pointed out was, and this was a storyline last season, but I don't think it was like a big storyline, especially outside of Toronto. Um, like they were sixth in defense last year. So like a really good defense. Like mm-hmm. if you're just looking at points per possession, like one of the better defensive teams in the league. And it, it made sense. Their bench was shutting teams down. They were pretty versatile. Uh, but um, against the good teams, they were terrible. Right. Like they, they were like a bottom 10 defense against elite teams. And the problem is when you get to the playoffs, like yeah. that kind of stuff gets exposed. And like, they did get exposed. And that's what happened against Cleveland. And I, I just think like the Raptors because of Kawhi, not just because of Kawhi. Cause I think Danny green matters a lot. I think the way that nurse is going to um, manage the rotation matters a lot. Cause mm-hmm. he, he, he looks like he's separating the two centers. Finally. Um, he, he's going to, play around with a lot of different Meaning things he's, he's gonna, gonna play a more as a center he's a center he's yeah. always well, not always but for the past like five years he's, he's been, been a, center. a center right but you're um, saying that he's going to use his Baca as a center and keep keep the yes. two of them off the court at the same time right yes that that's what has happened in the preseason for the most part um and then he also has talked very directly about the fact that he wants to force more turnovers he wants to play the passing lanes he wants everybody to have like a really aggressive defensive mindset even if that means like they'll make some mistakes at first he'll commit some fouls at first but like he wants to like change their their sort of approach mm-hmm. on the defensive end and i think like if you have Kawhi Leonard like yeah. the Spurs always played a pretty conservative style but still allowed him to freelance and go off and try to get steals and try to play passing lanes because he was so good at it. Um, but I think what Nurse is doing is he's asking everybody to do that. I think Kyle Lowry will like that. I think Danny Green will like that. Um, obviously, Siakam and Ananobi and all these guys. Like, they just have so many good defenders on this team, right? Like, yeah. Van Vliet is quietly one of the best point guard defenders in the league, even though he's, like, less than six feet tall. Like, he's just so freaking tough. Um, so uh, I realize it's an individual award. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's okay. But... But I think if if the Raptors are transformed in the way I think they might be uh, going from like a really like a, a good defensive team, six defensive rating to one that's higher than that and like actually scares opposing teams like to the point where they're like, oh, God, like they're, they're playing against this team where if like they're going to be pressured and if they don't come out and execute properly then these guys are going to like be really physical with them. They're going to get steals. They're going to get out the break on the break and they're going to score. And, and I think they finally have somebody that when like the best players in the world come to town, like they, they can stick somebody on him and feel really confident about it. And, and that, that is what they haven't had for years. That's what they hoped like Damari Carroll would be. Yeah. Um, and, and he was hurt and that was, that was part of the problem. But like, right. Even if they had gotten like the the 2015 16 or what no 2013 14, 14, 14 what was it yeah sure 15 whatever 14, the year 15, that was yeah um, <laughs> 13 14, 14 13 the, to 15 let's say that the 60 win hawks uh pre playoffs version of Damari Carroll that was healthy uh if they had gotten him that is still like 
maybe 65 70% of what Kawhi Leonard gives you like <laughs> I just I, I just think he totally changes the the team he raises the ceiling and I think uh it, it's why I was thinking about picking him for MVP too is I just think the story is really obvious and uh that that matters a lot and then if you're just going to be a nerd about it and look at like who's the best defender I think he's had several years when he's been playing that he's been the best defender and if he's mm-hmm. healthy uh it's it's really what who's going to just Draymond Gobert AD like sure uh but uh, I think I think Kawhi is every bit as likely as those guys to on a night to night basis be the best defender all right well let me in that case let me build a narrative for you real quick so you mentioned that Nick Nurse is putting in this really aggressive defense where they're jumping passing lanes and they're trying to get their hands on the balls and you know they're they're being aggressive with everybody and they're 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 instituting things that they hadn't done previously and if Kawhi yes. is there and he's healthy and and it shows like he's going to be obviously in the running for that. What happens if he's actually uh, injured first part of the season and their defense still excels? Do you think that takes away the shine from his defensive player of the year possibilities? Because if they're imagine like imagine just changing that defense is enough and like they really do play like the sixth overall defense in the league, and they don't get exposed by really good teams just by changing their system and being more aggressive. Do you think that hurts his cases? His case? His case? I don't know how many cases he has, but... <laughs> <laughs> it could, but I just, I don't... I, I find it hard to imagine, like, even though they're a pretty deep team, I find it hard to imagine there's going to be, like, that... They're just going to be the same mm-hmm. uh, with him on the court versus not. We'll We'll see. I mean, that that was the case for some of his tenure in San Antonio. I remember Matt Moore wrote a big article about it, and it got like a zillion page views, and everybody at CBS was really happy. Um, but I I don't know. Like I I think injury, like a lot of these defensive player of the years the, the last few years has like has very much affected um, the voting. And it, yeah, sure. If, if he gets hurt, then that, that boosts the case of a bunch of other guys naturally. Yeah. Um, I mean, just but I, I think that's there. more about just like voters care about yeah i think i think there's more about voters just caring about game the game's played total uh rather than like oh the raptors are good enough without him right all right i actually had anthony davis because you know he finished second in the defensive player of the vote defense i can't say this oh my god let me try again defensive player of the year voting last year uh yeah, I, and I just think he's gonna—he's poised to have a really good season if he stays healthy all season. We know what he can do on defense. We know what he can do on offense. I just think because I didn't give him the MVP, I'm giving him DPOI. I really wanted to give it to Joel Embiid, but yeah, that's what I did with Kawhi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. You got to spread the love around. I honestly—I look back at my list and I unfortunately didn't have. I—I I think I didn't have any Sixers on any of my lists just because I didn't want to be a homer. So I went against the green on all of them. I'm giving it to Anthony Davis. He's going to he's gonna deter people at the rim. He's going to block shots. He's a really good defender. Um, I don't know what else to say about it, but I just think that he's going to be up there. And I think that people are probably going to be thinking about, like, you know, we gave it to Rudy Gay. La- or, sorry, Rudy Gay. <laughs> Rudy Gobert last year. Um, I, I just don't think they're going to want to give it to him again for some reason. Especially since that team yeah. was really good defensively, even without him. The same thing I'm sort of saying about Kawhi right now. If the Raptors, Raptors are that good, even without Wait, him on the court, no, they weren't. No, they weren't. They were still really solid. They were. The Jazz were not really good defensively without him. They were still solid. They were pretty solid. How, how bad did they drop off? They were. They were all right. 
They weren't. They, they were. On, they man. were, they were right. still like with, a top with Gobert. 10 defense. They were by far the best defensive team in the league. Right. Okay. Fair. It, it was not the same. All right. I'm sorry. He okay. like transformed their team when he came back, and they, they were like they were like lapping the field like from when he came back to the end of the season in terms of defense. Like it was it was crazy. I mean that much is true. Yes. All right. So maybe I'm just full of shit. Whatever. <laughs> anyway. So I just I'm I'm picking Anthony Davis. I'm Whatever. fine with Prove the wrong. pick. That is a totally good pick. I I think. Even it's not even just him. Like if Drew Holiday was in the conversation in New Orleans mm. too, like that wouldn't shock me. Yeah, Holiday's a really underrated defender. He's just an underrated basketball player in general. Um, maybe we should move on. I, I've had enough of the awards. I forgot about the Sixth Man of the Year award. Who do you have for the Sixth Man? Tyreek Evans. Really, that's a good one. Tell me why. Can I plug another story I did? Please, I talked to please him plug your day. stories, yes. <laughs> I so talked to him last week, too. I've talked okay. to a lot of NBA players recently. Did I mention that yet? You might have <laughs> mentioned it, yes. <laughs> no, I just I think they, they really need what he does. I mean, the guy averaged like 19 points a game last year. Uh, if he puts up similar numbers as a six-man, because he's going to play starters minutes probably with this team, then I think he has a really good chance of like basically doing what, what Lou Williams did, what the typical six-man of the year does. Um, they, they brought him in because the team was like completely reliant, like hilariously reliant on Oladipo last year. Like there were a lot of good stories around the Pacers last year, but the reality was they lost all seven games when, uh, he didn't play at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, they were like plus seven net rating when he was on the court, like minus seven when he was off, which is like Westbrook level, like just insane relying on one player like right. he was so good offensively and so good defensively and they sort of collapsed on both ends when he wasn't there and I think at least on the offensive end they now have somebody else who can like do similar stuff and Tyreek Evans like if like I'm sure there are casual fans who just haven't really paid attention to him um, because he's played like four playoff games in his entire career and there was a long time when he was sort of billed as like this like sort of empty stats guy who couldn't shoot and didn't play defense like you wanted him to and all this stuff but like he has evolved into like a really like great offensive player uh he hits pull up threes all the time with like no hesitation like you go under the three the the screen and he just launches and he's still one of the best attacking players in basketball like he like when i was i was talking to him about the three-point shot and he was saying like before guys would like sink down to like the free throw line and i would drive anyway like because he just <laughs> that, that that was him and now it's like it's so much easier for him to to get to the basket because there is that threat of the three point shot. So he's just right. a totally different player than he was. Um, he had a sort of unheralded great season last year, the best year of his career. Um, and and the three pointer has been steadily getting better for the past few years. And if he just plays the exact same way that he did last year, but he does it on a winning team yeah. in Indiana. And if they manage to, because a lot of people expect the Pacers to kind of fall off because they surprised people last year. Now everyone will be ready for them, blah, blah, blah. Like mm -hmm. if, if that's not the story, then like he's a big reason why that that's not the story. So um, that's why I picked him. I will say I made that pick originally before I knew J.J. Redick was coming off the bench. <laughs> and like that, that could also um, be a really good pick. So I would at least consider that uh Dirk coming off the bench for the first time in his career is kind of interesting. Uh, and and there, there are usually some other candidates that emerge. But I think like just going in as a preseason pick, like Tyreek feels like a safe one for me. It's a, it's a really good pick. I forgot about Tyreek. And I just I, – I, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. He's a way 
better three. I think he shot like 20, uh, 20, sorry, 40% last year from three, somewhere around there. He's really consistent and he's really changed his game around. Just like you mentioned, like he used to just drive. Guys went back up to the free throw and he'd drive right at him anyways. I, I agree. He's going to be huge for that team if they if they make that step or they or they stay competitive, or like stay around the fourth or third or whatever. Yeah. I think he's got a really good shot at it. I actually went really, really off the beaten path with this one. So I was thinking about New Orleans and how I expect them to play this year, and I think that they're going to be a good team. Um, and I think that Julius Randle is going to be coming off the bench because once Meritich is healthy, and I, I know you told me about that. I didn't realize that Meritich is not healthy right now. He's injured, so Randle is starting. Um, but I think Meritich is going to start when the season yeah, comes around. And I think having Julius Randle come off the bench, I the one thing is I don't know if he's going to score enough. He's not like a pure scorer, but I think he does a lot of other wait, things. Wait, 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 wait. He is he, – he thinks score first, second, and third. That's like his <laughs> whole game. He hates passing. But he's not good at shooting three-point shots, which really gets people's That's attention true. when they're talking about six man of the year. He, he'll he'll, he'll ball hog and he'll drive to the rim. He's a good scorer. Don't get me wrong. I think he averaged uh, like 18 points a game last year or something like that. Um and I think he's going to have a really, really important role coming off the bench. He's going to be able to rebound. He's going to be that high-energy guy. And he's going to he's going to have that ball in his hands a lot coming off the bench. I know they're going to try and play the three of them at times together. Um, I don't know if that'll work, but it's going to be interesting. I just think – I don't think anybody's thinking about him, and I really wanted to do, like, a dark horse candidate. So I got Julius Randle. Yeah. I mean, I like the logic. It's sort of like everybody – thinks of the like combo guard off the bench mm-hmm. and he's sort of like a front court version of that anyway exactly because right? like he goes and gets buckets and like they play super fast and they get to they get to the rim and like that's his game like they just added a guy who perfectly fits what they want to do um i still like i like have always personally just had some quibbles with his game like i think he's a really good passer when he wants to be he just like almost never wants to be right and i think he's a really good defender when he's engaged and like going a hundred thousand percent um but he isn't always doing that either like when you watch him on the right night he looks like a superstar which frustrates me because he's not a superstar night tonight um but in terms of the talent level in terms of the scoring in terms of just how hard he is to stop when he has a head of steam and playing on a team um, that that runs the way they do, playing on a team where like AD attracts the attention that he does, like that should be good for him. Like I could see him having a really good year. I, I think uh, I I like the logic behind the pick, even if I did not make it myself. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for your approval. You're welcome. <laughs> I was pretty happy about that one. I was like, nobody's gonna see this coming. Um, but you know, speaking of the Reddick pick, I honestly thought about Reddick too, but I decided not to go with Reddick because not that I don't think he's gonna be. Like, if he stays coming off the bench, I think he's going to be really in the conversation for six-man because um, he's going to add a lot of scoring off the bench. And we know his his movement is is incredible, and he brings a lot of gravity with him because he's always running around the court. Um, I just don't think he's going to be coming off the bench. I think that Markel Fultz is not quite ready to be a starter yet, so I kind of passed over him. And, I, you know, I'm hopeful that Markel Fultz can, can bring it around. No, you're a hater. No, I'm not. Stop it. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> you don't believe in him. You think he's never going to be a good player. That is you think not he's true. not ready. That's not I true. Know. I love Marco Holtz. He's my hero. No, he's not. But I do like him. All right. Part one of the two-part extravaganza in the books. Thanks again to James Herbert. Go check him out on CBS Sports, and I'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Bye-bye. <laughs>